Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant walls automotive group walls.com and doug sprinthal Nissan news. This is exciting, and I'm glad Andy's here. We just got our first shipments at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan of the all-new 2021 Nissan Rogue. Dude, you need to trade. This is a brand-new vehicle. It's got bird's-eye parking, so when you're backing up, you hit the screen, and it's like a spy satellite above oh. the vehicle, It is, and it's got ProPilot. It is cool. Trade your car in. Well, Melissa said she did like this one better than the last one, so maybe she'll like the next one better than this one. All right. Be like Andy and Melissa and check out the Nissan Rogue. It's been a dream of mine to be like Andy ever since he was born. <laughs> so, yeah, check out these vehicles at Walzer Nissan in Burnsville and in Coon Rapids House of J-Lo and the House of Dan Resch. Tell them Andy sent you. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Way to go, Molina. Figure it out, Mike. Yeah. Way to go, Barrel. Barrel. Barrel Molina. I'm going to call you Barrel now. I like it. That works for me. Kenneth L. Woodward, our special guest. How are you doing, Kenneth? Fine, thank you. Getting religion, faith, culture, and politics from the age of Eisenhower to the era of Obama. Uh, Getting religion. Ken Woodward edited Newsweek's religion section from 1964 until his retirement in 2002. He remained a contributing editor at Newsweek until 2009, although he has written more than 1,000 essays, articles, and reviews for a variety of magazines, newspapers. Altogether, he's done this. Uh, Magazines, newspapers, and scholarly publications. Getting religion is a culmination of that work. This highly anticipated narrative tells the story of how American religion, culture, and politics influence one another in the second half of the 20th century. It's kind of Boy, there's so many things to talk about, Kenneth, uh, and to be very clear about this, I was raised Roman Catholic. I'm I'm not a very, I'm a lapsed Catholic, as they call people like me. So, and I've always thought that I'm not smart enough to know whether there is or is not a God, so I'm just kind of following along everybody else's lead. I'm kind of fascinated how it is that Christianity has become the the worst religion in the world, at least as far as Americans are concerned. I, you know, I, I think that all religions, while, the, uh, while I'm not religious, I think all religions should be honored uh, on their face. 
uh, whether it's any form of Christianity or Judaism or Islam or whatever it is, if people are truly faithful and follow the religion to the letter instead of changing it around the way they want it to be formed, I don't have any problem with that. But somehow, is it true, Kenneth, that at, at certain points in history that each religion has taken their turn as being the most, the worst religion of all time? Is that true? Nope. Is it just Christianity now? How did this happen with Christianity, by the way? It didn't. Well, I sure see a lot of people criticizing it, Kenneth. I really do. Well, that's a different thing. They've well, that's what I mean. They've always criticized religion. I mean, you can't um, you can't be you take religion seriously uh, without also having uh, a critical mind. Uh, sure. Look, uh, people get married. Do they not criticize their spouse? Yeah, they do. The closer <laughs> you are to something, the more you, uh, you more, the more you expect out of it, and the more you expect out of someone or something, um, the more you expect out of God. Let's put it that way. And then God disappoints, and then you criticize. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all in the Book of Job, by the way, except He doesn't criticize. That's the amazing thing about that particular book. No, I think, um, look, uh, this is not a discussion that relates to my book, so I'll be getting back to it shortly. But it does relate to a previous book I wrote yeah. um, called The Book of Miracles, which was a study, um, first time ever, um, of the miracle stories in the five great world religions. Uh, how are they the same and how are they uh, different? Mm-hmm. And um, very often... Um, particularly in Buddhism, let me just say, but also in Christianity, uh, people go would go to shrines and make pilgrimages, still do today, uh, uh, Catholics do, to, um, to Lourdes. Um, and uh, going uh, uh, with the expectation, well, with, with, with um, petitions. My husband's a drunk, can you help me get her over it and so forth? Right. Um, and, and all kinds of other things. Uh, in Lourdes, uh, you know, I'm healed. Uh, I'd like to be healed. Well, um, my wife spent more time there than I have. Um, people come away with a rather different view, you know. Um, you don't always get what you want. And uh, um, expectations can be dashed, but just as often you get things... Um, that you didn't expect to get. So, yeah, um, uh, I don't see that Christianity as being any more critical. It's more pers- it's the most persecuted of religion right now. Um, yes, I guess that's a better way to put it. You're more right. people are being killed, but um, just as in wars of religion, they're never, they're never primarily about religion. They're about territory yeah. uh, and things like that. Pe- people don't... Uh, uh, and today, um, so much belief is so weak that people wouldn't, you know, if I, if I uh, go into a classroom and ask people, what would you die for? Uh, I don't think they'd die for their faith, uh, and yet uh, Christianity and certain kinds of Islam are, you know, built on the blood of martyrs, is, is the phrase that mm-hmm. they use. So um, we live in tepid times, uh, I would say. Um, but uh, Dorothy Day, who was somebody I knew and admired and is mentioned in my book, um, once said the uh, love of God is a harsh and dangerous love. And uh, recently, Mother Teresa, who everybody remembers for her work with uh, the sick and the dying, 
um, found that uh, uh, when she sought the the, uh, consolation of religious faith, it was denied her, which is not at all unusual in the lore about saints, another Mm -hmm. subject I wrote a a book about. So, yes, now, the religion that has been going on in our country over the last, uh, what, uh, uh, 50 years? 50, yes, yeah. um, This is really a a social history that... uh, um, that takes uh, religion, uh, social history of that period, which takes religion from the periphery and puts it at the center. Um, one of the things that happens that is of, in the book, or when you do this, uh, one of the more experimental things I do is in the last chapter, it has been said that the Democratic Party uh, is the party of atheists and uh, indeed the largest single constituency uh, now, um, larger than African American constituency of the party, are the non religiously non affiliated mm-hmm. atheists, which is a small thing, uh, you know, six percent uh, agnostics, and uh, and just simply the, the non affiliated, and yet uh, uh, there's a, a marked religious strain in the party since George McGovern. I won't go into this whole thing. Uh, I have an op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal uh, that talks a little bit about this. But in any case, um, if you look at the Democratic Party through the lens of the Methodist Church, strange thing to do? Uh, Well, you'll find out in the book it isn't strange at all, uh, because the Democratic Party changed radically in 1972, no longer the party of Roosevelt, Kennedy, uh, and Johnson. and parties do make these swerves from time to time. And so if you, um, I'll just give you this little nugget here. It's rather interesting that if you look at the Methodist Book of Resolutions, which they put together every four years after coming together for two weeks, uh, just before the, the national conventions, they issue these resolutions, which is the Methodist Church's stand on a whole range of issues. You wouldn't be... You, you couldn't imagine how many. Well, uh, later the Democratic Convention meets, um, and they issue a, a you know a, a platform, and it's many places word for word what the Methodists said. So people said, "Yeah, that's strange." And, and so, beginning with that nugget, if you look at it, um, there's a certain uh, both good and bad. Um, what do I want to call it? Um, uh, uh, arrogance would be too strong a word, but mm-hmm. it's it's a uh, to, to 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 describe an attitude that we know what's good for you, which is what uh, a phrase that uh, Hillary Clinton's youth minister uh, used when we talked to him about her when I went to the White House in what '94 to interview her, because Bill Clinton wouldn't be interviewed, but right. um, they gave me. The more religious of the two, um, uh, it's a righteousness. That's the word. There you go. Righteous politics is what I'm calling. Well, now, one sense of it is good. They've had an ear toward the the outsider, the underdog, and they boosted them. Um, but there's also that arrogance that uh, the rest of you are moral buffoons. Um, she suffered from it because she had a whole pack of of um, Methodist position papers on health care when she walked in in 1984 uh, and her husband handed her 
that portfolio to get a, a health care bill through. And, of course, she failed, and part of it was her attitude. You saw it again the other day when she talked about, um, what, a basket of deplorables? Yes, absolutely. And, yeah, of course there's a lot of deplorable people out there. Yes. Uh, some may think I'm one of them, but... Um, but uh, and, 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 the, and the other candidate certainly does bring that out, uh, things out in people. But it's a haughty way of putting it. Yes. We're above it. And look at the audience he was, she was talking to. So that's what I'm getting at. Um, no, I, I, Kenneth, let me ask you a question. Is it, if, it's, if it's not religion that people look for, is it then tribalism and running with the herd? Is that Because it seems to me that if you who, agree who with me. What are talking about now here? I'm talking about everybody, whether it, they be Democrats or Republicans or the religious or the non-religious. Because yeah. atheists, what I love about atheists and, and the religious, mm-hmm. you have everybody in the middle that just kind of want, wants to get by and everything. Yeah, I just want to live my life. And then on the far right and on the far left, they get very angry. Whether you believe or you don't believe, I'm in some way going to make you angry. Well, ideology <laughs> is um, uh, a troubling thing uh, where, wherever you find it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would look at it totally differently. And when you've had a chance to uh, spend some time with the book, I, you'll see that in the beginning I talk about growing up in the 40s and 50s, a very different time. And then um, I talk about um, the social script that the young people follow today. Now, anybody who is, as I am, a grandparent, uh, keeps both things in mind, their own growing up and what they see in their grandchildren. They couldn't be more different. Um, And the one was my experience of it anyhow, and I do talk about this in the book, Feeling that as if I'm at the con- uh, the center of a concentric circle of belonging, family yes, and maybe nearby relatives, but also, and I grew up in the suburbs, by the way, not in a small town. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the educational institution meant a lot. Um, the, the schools I went to, the neighborhood meant a lot. Uh, today, kids, many many kids, don't belong to it. I'm talking about white, middle, and upper-middle-class kids mm-hmm. uh, belong to na- don't belong to neighborhoods because there's nobody home because nobody's, everybody's working. No, there's nobody down the street to say, hi, Charlie. That's a good uh, point. Yeah. And, and so they don't identify with it. Uh, they're taught not to identify with schools. They're taught to play a game to get into them, to brand themselves with, you know, not only the grades they get, but phony volunteering because that's what you have to do to get into, to put it on your resume. So we're raising kids to produce resumes for themselves so they can get into that school and, uh, and so on. Yeah, there's, no, there's very little free time in the summertime. They're all at camps or, or so-called camps, but again, because nobody's at home. So um, when I was in school or when I was growing up, you went out in the morning, goodbye, you came back at night, and um, there was a trust that nothing would happen to you. Now, I haven't even talked about the black community right. where you don't want to be in the neighborhood because you're going to get shot. So um, where does that lead us? I, a lot of this is sociological in nature. Um, getting religion means uh, what I pay attention to is how you get religion, under what auspices, under what circumstances. So if you look at the chapters, the word Protestant, Catholic, or Jew doesn't appear there. And yet this book is very... Uh, it's full of anecdotes. It's full of stories. Um, I'm, it's the kind of stories that journalists 
talk about at the bar whenever they get together. And uh, and so, uh, you know, it reminds me, I was standing in the men's room next to a guy, our medicine editor at Newsweek one time, and I said, how's he doing? And he said, just fine. And, you know, he flushed and went on. And, and we were talking about the first heart transplant uh, 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 patient. Um, so we were always around uh, people around whom things were happening, and that's what's in the book. But there is this kind of analysis, like I'm trying to give you here, um, of what took place. Um, give you an example. Um, people, our kids today are not going to remember Dr. Moon, but in the 80s, there were in 70s and 80s, there were more than 300 and some odd cults, big, small, right. uh, in a country. Um, they've disappeared for the most part. Um, that's because... In those years, um, a million kids a year um, uh, defected from home, left home. Now, this wasn't Huck Finn going out on the raft, you know, uh, heading for the wilderness and down the river. These were middle-class kids again, college, freshmen, sophomores. We shall be right back, Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard with the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski, who just so happens to be a very good friend of mine. If you're trying to get me to give you some shots on the golf course next time, it's not going to work, Tom. Well, it was worth a shot. So, from refinancing your home to small business loans or just a new checking account, you are a locally owned community bank. So what does that mean to folks listening, Michael? We take pride in individually crafted and customized solutions for your business with quick response times to all our customers, Tom. If you're tired of talking to pre-recorded voices and the wait times that can be forever, we answer the phone in Roseville, Edina, Hastings, Woodbury, and Shoreview. Plus, if it's important for your banker to know who you are, that's us, because we're your neighbor. So you're easy to find in a place people can trust. I learned that from personal experience, you know. Next year, I'll give you a couple shots on the front nine. Well, who am I to say no? Why not bank with my family's banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. By now, you've all heard me talk about MyPillow and how it's literally changed my life. My friend Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, fit me for my very own MyPillow, and I haven't stopped raving about them since. They won't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape. Made in the USA. If you don't have a MyPillow or know someone who doesn't, now is the time. Because for a limited time, Mike is offering his premium MyPillows, yes, the one that started it all, for his lowest price ever. You can get a queen-size premium MyPillow for $29.98, regularly $69.98. That's a $40 savings. Kings are only $5 more, by the way. Folks, now is the time to buy. Not only are you getting the lowest price ever, but they are the best Christmas gifts ever. $29.98 for a queen-size premium MyPillow. Buy now, and Mike will extend his 60-day money-back guarantee to March 1st, 2021. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Square and use promo code TOM. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. Or call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. Just for 
love that song. You gotta play the rest of it. We're gonna yeah, just play the whole song. My favorite line. You could stand inside my shoes. You'd know what a drag it is to see you. What a great line. What a I wish you could stand inside my shoes so you'd know what a drag it is to see you. I love that comment. It's one of my all-time favorites. There's no getting around it. Well, he hasn't called in yet, but... Who, Bob Dylan? Yes, Bob Dylan. Bob, call in. I know you're listening. <laughs> 612 313 Have you ever inter- interviewed him? Nope. I've never been anywhere near Bob Dylan. I've I, never talked to him. I don't Nothing. think he does a whole lot these days. Yeah. He doesn't. Well, he doesn't even talk to his audience when he's on stage. <laughs> So true. Yeah, he doesn't. He will not talk to his audience when he's on stage. I don't know what that's all about. Michael Jackson. He's supposed to be really, was really right? good on yeah. Really what? He's supposed to be really good recently. His, his, his latest I, concerts have been very, very good. That's what I've heard, yeah. Here are some random facts for your Tuesday before Thanksgiving. The employees at the Disney parks aren't allowed to point with one finger because it could yeah. be seen as a negative gesture by people from some countries and cultures. They'll always point with two fingers. It's huh. right over there. Have a magical day. Have a magical day with my two <laughs> finger pointing. How about if I point at you with this finger? How about that? Everything a negative gesture in some culture. It absolutely is. There's no question. Elephants only need about two hours of sleep a day, which is the least of any mammal. Did you know that? That would be convenient. Only be having to sleep two hours a day? God, I could be on the air like... 19, 20 hours a day, then. Well, how, does a, how does a whale sleep when they have to breathe? They can't go underwater to breathe to sleep. See? Oh, there, we got a problem. A kicker won the NFL MVP award in 1982. Mark Mosley won it as a member of the Washington Redskins. He was from Minnesota, wasn't he? Uh, I think Mark, Mark Mosley was from Minnesota. He made 20 out of 21 field goals that year. That's okay. It must have been a really mediocre season if he won NFL MVP making 20 out of 21 field goal because uh, Gary Anderson only missed one field goal an entire year, including the playoffs, which kept us from the Super Bowl. <laughs> Bitter, Tom. Never, ever letting it go. Pinball machines were illegal in Oakland, California from the 30s through 2014. Sounds like California. Through 2014? Why would you want to be near a pinball machine in 2010? Wasn't the Mark Hamill movie in California... About pinball machines? That's what I thought. What? But only in, o- only in Oakland, apparently. Oh, okay. Not the whole state. Yes, only in Oakland. That was it. You ever been okay. in Oakland? No. that's uh, Yeah, I have. I actually have been in Oakland. Yeah, that's yeah, Ryder country. Yeah, so most of Oakland should be illegal, but, you know, that's just <laughs> yeah. me. That is just me. Andy, you got the wrong stuff up on the screen. I do. Yes, you certainly do. <laughs> there we are. There you go. Thank you very much. Is he ready to go? Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, Richard F. Thomas. How are you doing, Richard F. Thomas? Good, thanks. How are you, Tom? I'm wonderful. Can I just call you RFT, or what should I call you? Uh, RFT, Richard, whatever. I like Richard. I like Richard. Uh, why Bob Dylan Matters by Richard. You know, it's it's not a very tough sell in Minnesota, why Bob Dylan Matters. <laughs> I will tell you that, Richard. Right. Yep. Uh, I know all about that. I tell you something, Richard. We we just played my one of my favorite lines from Positively Fourth Street, uh, with the the one that ends with "You'd know what a drag it is to see you." I was uh, a very young teen when I first heard that, 
And I said to myself, my I, God, this guy knows everything. <laughs> yep. And how would you like to be in that guy's shoes? Um, oh, it's just uh, wonderful. It, yeah, one of my early favorites. I think you and I have got the same vintage from the sound of it. But um, but it's, um, it's wonderful. And I've been putting him up for a Harvard honorary degree for years, but they kept not doing it. So I wrote to them, tell him, telling him it was too late now. He wouldn't take it. Yeah, he well, he did. He he won uh, what a Nobel Peace Prize, and he didn't want to take that either. Yeah, no. Well, I think he he didn't want to turn up. I mean, I think he's not the type that wants to sit in a, a room with a bunch of people with tuxedos. Um, you know, that's that's not the sort of guy he is. But I think he he did get his Nobel lecture in in time in June to yes. get get the prize money. So yeah. Why Bob Dylan Matters by Richard F. Thomas. It is on sale, as a matter of fact, as of today, right? Today's the day. Today, yeah. Yeah. If you were a Dylan fan, it's a must-read. Richard Thomas analyzes Dylan's every step and every verse to explain what makes the man as timeless as Homer or T... It says here T.C. Eliot. Does that mean T.S. Eliot? Yeah, whoever did the the bio, they they put T.C. Eliot. But I happen to know who T.S. Eliot is, so it all works out. Um, Maybe they're Russian. Yeah, it might might be Russian. Because in Russian, C is S. That's right. Richard, how does it happen that a nice little Jewish boy from Hibbing, Minnesota, Mm -hmm. becomes Bob Dylan? How did that happen? Yeah, um, I mean, how does genius happen uh, anywhere? You know, it's... uh, he was born a genius, and uh, you know the, my la- the Latin poet I work on came from a backwater in the north of Italy as well, and uh, and you know I think this, it starts with a genius. It starts with hard, it, it it carries on with hard work, commitment, practice. But I mean, Dylan in Chronicles talks about the three ingredients: experience, observation, and imagination, and you have to have genius as well and so i think in the nobel lecture when he talks about you know looking at buddy holly and something was transmitted to him from buddy holly then oh yeah getting the folk folk vernacular down and sort of inhabiting these songs and then in the 21st century he's been uh, getting into this classical literature and basically becoming odysseus in the in the latest in tempest the 2012 album so it happens because yeah, I think he has all of those ingredients, and and you and I can't understand how genius works because we're not geniuses. But you you know it when you see it, right? Well, you don't know that yet. No, just kidding, Richard. Um, <laughs> I believe, Richard, that uh, you, you, the reference you just made. I think Bob Dylan made eye contact with Buddy Holly. He was sitting in the second row watching a Buddy Holly concert. And Buddy Holly made eye contact with him, and Bob Dylan said right then that was that was the moment. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It happened in Duluth, Minnesota, yep. I believe. The Duluth Armory, yeah. Yep, yep, yep absolutely. Three, two or three days before Buddy Holly went down in the plane, yeah. Yeah, it was a very short time later he went down the plane in Iowa. Um, yeah. Why do you think he is such a great poet? Because he is a brilliant poet. He spoke to me as a young man, no question. His poetry really... Look, I grew up in a very poor neighborhood, a very urban neighborhood. Poetry was not a big thing in my life, I will tell you that. But then Bob Dylan came yeah. along, and all of a sudden poetry was important to me. Yeah, well, I think, it be- I think it, well, who knows where it begins. It probably begins with his mother, who he's very close to, and she presumably read things to him, and 
he wrote a poem to her um, fairly early on. I don't know how old he was, 10 or so. But um, but then he had this teacher, this English teacher, B.J. Rolston at Hibbing High. And, and Rolston was... Uh, believed in reading poetry out loud. And Wolfson is now dead, but I met him in Hibbing in 2007. I was okay. at a conference in Minneapolis, and Wolfson talks about how Robert, as he called him, would come in to the class, sit in the front row, and Wolfson would just read poetry out for them, and Dylan would just listen, take it in, and then not say anything and leave. And, I, and he must have, in that school, um, had to conceal the fact that he loves poetry. I mean, sure. um, I it's fairly hard scrabble sort of school, right? And so, um, but he, you know, some of us love poetry. I think the rhythms of it, the music of it, even when it's not set to music. And Dylan, you know, Dylan himself in the Nobel said that his, what he does is not literature, can't just be read, it has to have the music with it. And I think that's that's true. And, and therefore, what, what exactly is he in defining him? It's always been a, a, a challenge, you know, he famously called himself a, when he was asked in 65, you know, how he, is he a poet or what is he? And he said, oh, I'm a song and dance man. And, um, <laughs> so which, which is poetry, by himself, the way. Yeah, which is true, that, that he himself didn't know what, what he was. I mean, he is the, uh, there are these ancient singers, and I think he does go way back. He belongs to them, this tradition of all these guys who sang played guitars, kitharas, Greek kitharas in the centuries B.C. and went, traveled around the Mediterranean, which was hugely popular. And they wore, they wore particular costumes, their instruments had particular glamour to them, and whole towns would turn out to hear them play. So, I mean, that, that I think he does go back to that tradition, and he's sort of found, you know, by trial and error, by seeing, you know, Arriving in New York at just the right time after sort of training in Dinky Town with um, mm-hmm. Glover and Kern, Ray Kerner and Glover, um, you know he uh, he was perfecting his art just at the right time in 60, 63, 64 in particular, and then and then going electric and seeing the potential of playing not just with himself but with the band. Um, you know he's just. He just seems to be there and be ahead of ahead of us. I mean, he, it always takes a while to catch up with him, including the gospel stuff. That yeah. Now with boot with the bootleg number thirteen, it's it becomes clear just musically how fantastic that those uh, couple of years of touring were. No, Richard, I I I think about this quite often because, as you said, we're of the same vintage. It sounds like. Why do you think it is that in our lifetime, especially as very, very young boys uh, becoming young men, we went through 1963, 64, 65, all the way through 1969 and 70. Uh, we just talked to Diane Lake uh, in the previous hour. She was a member of the Manson family, and Charles died, of course, uh, a couple of days ago. But why was the music so beautiful and the politics so hideous at the same time? Uh, because, yeah. again, most people yeah. don't know this, that the day that JFK was assassinated, which happens again uh, tomorrow, it's uh, the 22nd of November tomorrow, the day right. that he was assassinated right. in 1963 was the day the Beatles released with the Beatles in England. This beautiful thing happened, and this horrible thing happened on the exact same day, and it affected us for at least the next decade. Yeah, and longer, I think. Yeah, and I much longer, yes. On that day, and I remember waking my parents up with the paper with the headline. So, 
you know, we all remember where we were, even those of us who weren't in America, because he was such a, you know, he was the world's president in so many ways. So yeah, he was. I think right. in times, in times of uh, crisis and political disturbance. I mean, if you look at look at these periods in fifth century Athens, you know, where it's this terrible thirty-year-long mm-hmm. war between Athens and Sparta. Look at the Roman civil wars, and at the same time, you're you're getting these um, these artists. Uh, you know, Greek tragedy, Roman epic, lyric poetry, and I think um, I think maybe it takes turmoil to or turmoil helps a singer or a poet to respond. So that when Dylan writes something like "The Hard Rains Are Gonna Fall," he wrote it not with the knowledge of the full knowledge of the Cuba Missile Crisis, but it mapped onto that, didn't matter. It did, you know, yes. Once, once the Cuba Missile Crisis happened, it was a song that event and uh you know but also take a song like masters of war you know that was that was really even before vietnam had heated up and um but then you listen to it before we started and i said we i've been a u.s citizen for 30 years but um before we started bombing iraq and you listen to that song he was playing it in concert um in early 2003 um as it looked like iraq was about to happen and it, it worked just as well so i I'm not. I don't. Not saying you need turmoil to create art, but I. I don't think it. I don't think it prevents it, and and I think it can work on the imagination and observation to to help formulate the art. Absolutely. Why Bob Dylan Matters by Richard F. Thomas, a must read. Most definitely a must read. Richard, thank you so much for your time. Great points. I. I just Ooh, love the way the world kind of formed. Around these kinds of things, because Bob Dylan did change the well, world. And where have you been? He did. He did. Yeah, and he still is. And uh, well, thanks, Tom. It's great to talk, and I, I hope to get back out there one of these days. I've never, I've been to Hibbing, and but not to Duluth. I'd like to get out there. So. All right. Well, uh, take care. We'll get it taken care of. Thank you, Richard. Okay. Bye, Tom. What's more important than reliable plumbing? Having someone you can rely on in case it ever needs attention. Hi, Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Look, you don't want to mess around with leaks or shoddy installation or repair when it comes to plumbing. Sabre is the largest installer of Moen fixtures and Ream water heaters in Minnesota. They're dependable pros who get the job done right. So when plumbing happens, call Sabre or visit saberheating.com. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. A lot, of, a lot of dishes moving and making noise. And that man, they make a lot of noise with that serving food. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, in studio. Jeff Allen, our very special guest. Stand-up comedy show at Acme Comedy Company. Tonight only, it's at 8 o'clock, as a matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen. So, 
You and I have never I, met before, I don't no, think. No, I don't think we have. Why? That's weird. I don't know, man. We should have been drinking together, that's for sure. Back in the day, yeah. The oh, my God. Yeah. But you I, both would have been arrested. I've been doing a morning show, <laughs> morning show KQRS for 34 I was, years. Got, I, got, I was bailing a friend out, <clears throat> and I got arrested. <laughs> I got wow, snotty. that's hard to I do. got snotty with the cop. Hey, Barney, got your bullet in your pocket? And, and apparently, he'd heard that one too many times. <laughs> I told you, it's Daryl, Catherine. That's yeah. exactly what her brother would have done. Same yeah. thing. Yep. I don't know why the cops don't like me. because you never, ever shut up. <laughs> ever. Oh, is he one of those guys? I, yeah. I learned. It, it took two or three times. I learned. But we had a friend that would always go, I'll talk to him. You know when a party got loud? Oh, yeah. And the police showed up? Yeah. And my buddy Barry would go, I'll talk to him. And everybody starts passing the hat, getting money to bail him. To bail him up. <laughs> You're gone. We, we go, 13 seconds later, he's yeah. got this, the bracelets on. They're hauling him into the car. <laughs> Now, this is in, in Chicago. Yes. God, I love Chicago. What a great town. Yeah. Yeah, Southside, maybe you don't want to wander around there too much, but, you know. No. It's no. just the way it is. One of my favorite Chicago stories I ever had a friend, Mark Elliott, grew up out in Skokie. Right? Ah. Yeah, he grows up in Skokie, and he tells me when he was a teenager, he decided he it was the 4th of July coming up, and he was all excited. The fourth. Yeah, I love the 4th of July. He goes over to the west side. To buy some fireworks. And he walks up on four guys just kind of standing around in the corner. He goes, hey, you guys know where I could find some fireworks? And the guy looks at me and goes, you got money? <laughs> <laughs> Not for long, baby. Yeah. I go, hey, you don't have money for long. Yeah, he was just shocked that a kid would come in, a white kid would come in the neighborhood with money. What are right. you, nuts? Yeah. God, what a great story that was, Mark. What a lunatic. But no, I was very fortunate to grow up in Chicago. It's a great place to grow up. Right in the middle of the United States. Great comedy, great theater. It's got everything. Yeah. It's just a shame that they're full-blown Marxists now. So. They are, aren't they? <laughs> I yeah. mean, they are it's a way, Yeah, I have friends of mine that finally they, they moved their businesses out of there. It's Did just, they really? Yeah. Just got, are they going over to Indianapolis? No, they're all headed to, uh, well, they're headed to Tennessee. and um, oh, oh, nicer yeah, weather. Yeah. Huge. Well, well and the tax structure there is. Um, no state tax. No state tax. Yeah. Every time they try to do it, people park their cars in front of them and their horns. <laughs> yeah, we got to move there, Catherine. I'm telling you, we got to get down there. I, we, was it, oh, I had been in Nashville before, but never overnight. So, you know, we stayed for, what, three, four days? Yeah, We're in Nashville like three, that. four days, something like that, right? Yeah. So all these different we – man, the food in that town is phenomenal. Yeah, it's a lot. We've been with there 20 years ago, and it was uh, – I used to say nobody boils a steak like Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was bad. It was really yeah, bad. I remember. Yeah, but, uh, in the was. last 10 years, it's, uh, it's exploded, and uh, every um, – one of those Food Network guys. They, they've oh, yeah. all opened restaurants in the Gulch, yep. and uh, it's yep. yeah. It's well, there was like sharp. I don't know what was fifteen cranes we counted. Fifteen, 15 to seventeen cranes. Like a three-year wait to get a crane. I mean, they're <laughs> oh, calling yeah. it crane, crane City. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's unbelievable. Went, we went to places like there's like a place crazy. called Geist over in Germantown. Yeah. Oh my God, that restaurant's good. You ever get a chance? Get over there. Oh, okay. It's, it is phenomenal. You're you welcome. think, Alex? Yeah, yeah, they've fun. got That's three right. fireplaces out on the patio. It's oh, really nice. nice back there. Yeah. yeah, we were very, very impressed with it. People could not have been friendlier. They were, everybody was very nice. Yeah, the South, yeah. 
That's yeah. right. I was in Philadelphia. I, I used to always, when I went to work to Atlantic City, I'd always fly oh, yeah, in and then yeah. train it over yep. from Philly. I never flew into Atlantic City. So I'm in line at McDonald's to get something. And um, the guy in front of me is paying with a $50 bill. And the guy behind the, the register just gets so PO'd at him. He's just screaming at him. So you got, so you got, my God. I got no change for that. You're screaming. And I'm looking around. I'm the only one offended. I'm the only one. Yeah. I told Tammy, I said, we've been in the South too long. <laughs> That's where you've been too long. Yeah. There was a time where that would have bothered me. Not a whole thing. I got a, you know, I don't know if you, are you a Black Crows fan at all? The group the Black Crows? No, I don't know. Uh, Steve Gorman, the, the drummer there, he's an old friend of mine. He he just uh, you know had a great career, rock and roll career, but he lives in Nashville now. Absolutely loves it. Yeah, because he's constantly working. He putting uh, he put a new band together, and I tell you, we were Catherine. You were as impressed as I was. Yeah, I really thought I, I would. I, I guess I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I was like barbecue and country music, two things that I have no interest in. Right. <laughs> Let's go to Nashville. Yeah. Well, it's, well, it's a lot nice. more than that. We, yeah, uh, we, live, we live out in the country. We got we got our oh, first traffic light a couple years ago. Oh, there you go. Nine accidents the first week the light was in. <laughs> <laughs> People couldn't figure out why there was a floating red dot in the sky. You know? People uh, might not know this if you've never been to Nashville, but it's an unwritten law that somebody has to get killed in a car accident in Murfreesboro every day. Yeah. It's every day on I-24 somebody yeah. dies. Catherine, well, how many bodies did you see on the freeway? Uh, there were, well, I, we were sitting there, <laughs> wait, oh backed up for miles and miles, and we were sort of at the front of the accident. It was with Lindsay. Yeah. And I was like, what's going on? I'm, I'm going to go ask a cop what's happening. There's all these semis in front of us. So I walked, peeked around the semi, and I saw at least three. I'm like, three dead people? Three People on the ground covered with bags. I'm like, oh my goodness! What? How Not could? Good. How can you even? How, what kind of accident would you be just flung into the yeah. middle of well, the highway? The following oh. year, like that, and then the following year we went the same route, and it was like a 13 car pileup. <laughs> it's I 24 like, Murfreesboro. What? Man. Yeah, 13 cars. We had to reroute what? through some dark, scary hills. Yeah, I'm like, think, I'm like thinking deliverance, of course, and I'm like, right. <laughs> oh, that's not very <laughs> nice. No, it no, was. Right. I yeah. could we got it. there. We did get there with my navigation. <laughs> Skills. We did indeed. Yeah, it, it, was, yeah it was dark. There were no street lights. No, you're really going weird. through these hills, and you're like, "There's nobody up." There's like yeah, a cabin. Like, yeah, you're like, there. "Are we gonna sleep in our car? <laughs> what um, are we doing?" You wouldn't like Deadwood then, because yeah. that's exactly how it was up there in the black. Well, oh, Deadwood, yeah. I, just, yeah. I suppose that's true. drive faster. I hear banjos. <laughs> are there? Uh, is yeah. there a great comedy scene in Nashville? Yeah. As a matter of fact, assume, they yeah. have the um, they have a big festival there every year in the. Um, um, Bring acts in from all over the world. Yeah, um, we'll be back next uh, November. Was it no? The, November. When are we going? October. Yeah. We, the last week in October. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I got to stay in oh, touch wait. with you. Got to have yeah. you come in and do the show, man. Do you be golf. Great. I used to. Uh, I haven't for a, la- a couple of years now, but I, no. I intend to start again. I think next summer. He keeps okay. saying okay. that. Starts and stops and starts and stops. Yeah, here's yeah. the problem I have with it, Jeff. It takes forever. It's like I play. Problem. I'm not very good. Uh, you know, everybody has their moments, right? Right. But 
most of the people, these guys take it so seriously. It's like, yeah. you're not that just, good. Just Calm like down. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't take it seriously. You used to. You used to. Way too serious. Yeah. No, I didn't. You used to. Oh, yeah. I got down to single digits one for like one and a half years, and I went rocketing right back up into the 18. Yeah, that's era. where I'm at now. I, I, I was uh, scratch for... Four, oh, were you four really? or five years, and then uh, now I can't break eighty five. So. And that's playing, playing, yeah. playing scratch golf is playing some golf. That's yeah, it almost destroyed my marriage. So <clears throat> we, uh, yeah, I played a lot of golf with Rocco Mediate. You know, oh little, yeah, yeah, Rocco. Uh, he he's a big with, poker player now. Oh yeah, big oh yeah, time. oh you know that now, yeah, because he, yeah. he he behaves now too. He's like yeah. a cartoon character. Who Rocco? Person, yeah, that's weird. really he's nice. Chewing on a cigar and playing <laughs> poker and. <laughs> Like, well, he's an Italian from Pittsburgh. Yeah, what do you no, think? He's just like, hey. he's an Italian guy from Pittsburgh. That's just how it's going to be, you know. Hey, right. What is? What? Like this exists. I play, so I'm playing with Rocco one time. I tee off and I hit a pretty decent drive. Not you know great, but for me a, a decent drive. Rocco hits his drive and he hits it about 50 yards past me. Right. right. I got. Oh my God! You hammered that. And he goes. I got some bad news for you. Rory McIlroy would be 70 yards past me. Right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. It is amazing. Yeah. These guys oh. are getting at 400 now. That's I know. ridiculous. 400 yeah. yards sometimes. Yeah. What the hell is that? Yeah. But they still got to hit it three feet and get it into the hole. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. it. That's yeah. exactly it. How'd you get so good at golf? Did you just start when you were young? I played since I was a kid, and then I just, uh, I don't know. I Got obsessed. I got obsessed with it. I traded in cocaine for golf. Oh, yeah. Just as expensive and just (laughs) as annoying, you know. But it won't kill you. (laughs) And it's legal. And it's legal. That's the other good thing. Not a big golf bust going on by the DEA. No. (laughs) Wives, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, well, I told Tammy when I met her, I'll have one mistress. It'll be golf, you know. Yeah, we'll see. um, That's good. And then five years into it. She said, I didn't realize you were, I thought you were kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might wander off. But anyway. yeah. no, so, what, so do you play much anymore? No, I try, I, on the road now. I, I don't play much. I joined a club back in July in Nashville, mainly because it had a, a swimming pool attached to it. Oh, I take yeah. my grandkids. Yeah, I've played 27 holes there since July. Oh, that's 27 holes total. Yeah. yeah, when I'm home, I don't, uh, I don't play much because it, it upsets the... The apple cart. <laughs> I'm looking at my apple cart right now. I'm like, would you please go play golf? Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, that's what I, I got friends like that who wives push them out of the house. I go, but they don't travel seven days. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. 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 Tom doesn't that's go anywhere. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean I don't Our go time. anywhere? You don't go anywhere. You don't go to work. Not this anymore. is as far away from home as you get, and it's that's true. Eight Coming over away. here, I do the morning show at my house. Our house is far away as home. Yeah, which I really do. It's difficult to get you there. The only problem Sometimes. with doing the doing the show from home, if you're not in the studio with every, all the rest of the people, you don't really know what's going on. And you hear this stuff, and it's like, what is that? And you find out later people are we're in a fist fight or something. It's oh. Like, Jesus. What are you doing? But, yeah, I do like it. It's it's Working from home is wonderful. Yeah. It really is. Can't do that from... <clears throat> With comedy, though. No, I got to good. When an act like mine, you got to keep it moving. You know, you got to be on the road, man. Well, let me read this descriptor because this is pretty interesting. Jeff Allen combines clean, hilarious humor like no other comedian working today. Regularly appears on television, radio, and venues across the country with over 100 million. How the hell have you never been on the morning show? We have, we've had everybody on the morning show. I don't know, man. That's weird. I, I, I don't know if I should blame my people or your people. Somebody's people. Somebody's people needs to get... You've come through Minneapolis before. Yeah, I've done... Uh, um, well, I've done some churches here. I, I haven't done a club in years. I was at... 
the Mall of America years ago. Oh, um, Rick Bronson. Oh, House of Comedy. Yeah, about 20 years ago, I just woke up. Oh, that's Knuckleheads. And I was, yeah. That was was, Knuckleheads. um, I just looked out one night, and the kid, the audience was the same age they were when I started in 1978. (laughs) (laughs) I was the only one that aged. And I found myself, you know, it was when you could smoke in clubs. That's how long ago it was. And I'd go, cigarettes are bad for you. And I married a smoker, so I was like just... Yeah, she'd light up in bed at 2 a.m., you know. Oh. Yeah, just rude. And, uh, <laughs> she'd go, does this bother you? I'd go, no, pool, I've, sl- I've always liked sleeping in pool halls. You know, yeah. there's, there's no, no, nothing no, wrong no. with this. And uh, anyway, she uh, she finally, it's, now she vapes, and uh, she's Ooh. down to zero now on the uh, nicotine. She oh, just, that's good. Yeah, she just vapes because of the oral fixation. Yeah. And, right. You know. She doesn't want to gain the, weight. <clears throat> yeah, I read eating. where if you post, smoke a pack a day, you go to your mouth back and forth 100,000 times a year. Oh, my God. Your mom smoked three packs a day. So how many? God. That's a lot. Yeah, 300,000 times a year. Only thing to do more than that is just breathe. You know? One of my favorite things about my mother smoking three packs a day for about 900 years is this honestly is a really good impression of my mother. All right, Tom, get out of bed. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding you. She had the pipes on her, man. It was yeah. unbelievable. What are you doing tonight? I'm like, oh, um, I don't know. Man. Well, I fell out. I met. I fell in love with my wife. I met her. She was a smoker, laughing at a club, and uh, you know, smokers have the best laugh. And when, oh yeah. When you, yeah, when you can't get oxygen into your lungs, it's music to a comic's ears. So. <laughs> I just heard this woman wheezing in the back. I said, I might want to meet oh this woman. Oh, my God, one. I love her. <laughs> a little wheezing brought you together. Yeah. Huh? Well, I that's always, nice. I always find it ironic. Like, I shop at, you know, all the hippie food stores and all this stuff. And it's like, yesterday, somebody's walking past me in the co-op and just smelled like cigarettes. Yeah, I'm I like, I don't smell think organic a mile chicken away. is oh, going to oh, no, help they're... your health <laughs> <laughs> if you're smoking cigarettes. Shut up, I'm a walking contradiction. It is interesting. It's like, I'll do anything uh, for my health except stop yeah. the thing that's killing me. That's, yeah. What's, yeah, uh, that's what, why American Spirit cigarettes are around. Because they're the yep, ones they're organic. Yeah. organic, yes. and they won't hurt you. Oh, right. American <laughs> Spirit cigarettes. Organic tobacco won't hurt you. They don't have chemicals in it. See, I think inhaling smoke from anything is yeah, not yeah. really all that yeah. good yeah. for. That was the one vice I didn't pick up, you know. And Smoking, I grew up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My dad, you know, used to light Lucky Strikes with the windows rolled oh, up. And it, you know, if strikes. secondhand smoke was as bad as they say it was, I'd have been dead thirty years ago. Yeah. I mean, I lived in clubs since I was fifteen, right. and I've been. My wife, again, my God, she chain smoking the, you know, and uh, never. You know, the only thing that got her to quit was my uh, daughter-in-laws told her they're not bringing the grandkids over. Yeah, you know, going to smoke in the house. I tried that with Tom's family, and they all lit up right in front of me. We're going to smoke more when you're around. No joke. The smell of smoke still reminds me of going to like. Bernard family functions. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, my family. Oh yeah, you'd have, How about fist fights? That reminds you of being in my you'd family have 15 too. Fifteen smokers in a row in yeah. a small house. Fifteen. Even smokers. if they were oh, wow. actively smoking, fifteen people having the smell of smoke on them. Yeah. It was yeah. enough. Yeah. You know. Oh, my clothes reek for years. I yeah. People, <laughs> people, years. people would tell me, you know, if you're going to smoke, smoke outside. I go, I don't smoke. And they go, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, nice cologne you got there. I grew up in a smoking household as well. Well, and God, I can remember just driving in the car. I'm like, can you please 
open the window and they would crack it like a, oh, yeah. an inch. And yeah. they're like, Pay good money the for window. this nicotine. I'm not letting that out. <laughs> like, yeah, it's true. Now, it's, now when I smell smoke, it's so rare. It's just like, what? Well, now it's Why? gotten to the point what? where some of these kids, I walked out of a hotel, you know, and of course the, the, the lepers are smoking off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, this, this woman walks out with her husband, boyfriend, whatever, and a smoke had wafted over. And you would have thought she, she had battery acid thrown in her face. <laughs> she oh, felt yeah. like she was writhing. Oh, my God. Oh, I act <laughs> like that. Over, relax. Oh, yeah. I act like oh, that whenever oh, I smell cigarettes, especially when I'm with my kids. Like, if I'm with my kids and somebody's walking through, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing for me will ever Subtle. beat the first time yeah. I ever saw a guy smoke through his tray call. <laughs> Man, my, my Uncle oh, Jack. God. That's why my in. dad took me to see my Uncle Jack. He's smoking through a tray call. <laughs> oh, my God. And my God. dad knew this back in the 60s. He goes, this is what cigarettes will do to you. <laughs> oh, that's and why he didn't the, smoke. And the, and the tobacco companies are in front of Congress in the 80s lying to yeah, the Congress. Yeah. We didn't know. We didn't. My dad knew. He's yeah. not even a doctor. <laughs> We're gonna take a break. Dad did we'll his be... own research through my uncle Jack. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna smoke through our trach. We'll be back in two minutes. <laughs> oh, Jeff yeah. Allen is at Acme tonight at eight o'clock. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate, and when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home, list it on the MLS, and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. The 2021 Bloomington Boat Show is here and going on now. Over 60 boats on display from Premier, Avalon, Berkshire, Alumacraft, and more. Over 25,000 square feet means the biggest inventory, the best dealer incentives, and limited-time factory rebates. Since there's a pretty good chance you'll be spending 2021 distancing, do it on the family boat you want. Register to win a new Suzuki outboard valued at $5,000. Suzuki, the ultimate outboard. Shop boats, safe distance, and see what's new for 2021 in a heated 25,000-square-foot showroom at Dan Southside Marine in Bloomington. The biggest inventory means you get the boat you want, rigged the way you wanted it, with every rebate and incentive available. Ask about the new Alumacraft competitor FSX, the best new fish ski crossover on the market. It's the 2021 Bloomington Boat Show at Dan Southside Marine, located six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. 
Oh, we're smoking on the water? Is that what we're doing here? <laughs> I just have to relate a story. We're talking about uh, women smoking while they're pregnant. Not pregnant. pregnant? Oh, Jeff asked right. me if my mother I will tell you pregnant. this. <clears throat> my wife was pregnant. And uh, when I met her, she had a two-year-old, so I didn't, I didn't have anything to do with the first boy. The second child, she was smoking, and I, I said to the doctor, I go, look, she won't quit. And anyway, when she left the room, he goes, you didn't hear this from me. The stress of her quitting would probably be do more harm to the baby yeah. than if she really? continued to smoke. That, wow. That's what they told my mother. And uh, yeah. if low birth weight was what my both my boys were over nine pounds. So <laughs> yeah. what would they have been if she wasn't smoking? Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know. And my so. mother smoked, and I was I was eleven pounds when I was born. And my mother smoked the whole time. But very quick uh, story. I'm watching the news one night. This is twenty years ago. Whatever. And there's a, we're going to go over to uh, Brooklyn Center. Uh, there's a controversy about the electric wires going over people's houses and the radiation that comes from them. And people are very upset. Right? It's true. Right. Like, I remember you know, so they go to the scene and there's a woman. And she's, <laughs> she's talking about, ah, oh, this is just so dangerous. It's just unbelievably dangerous. I can't believe they did this. You know, they're shooting her from, like, you know, the shoulders up. And as she keeps talking, smart-ass cameraman, and he did it on purpose. There's no doubt about it. He keeps backing away slowly, and you see her bitching about how unsafe the electric wires are. She's pregnant, cigarette right hand, drinking the left hand. She's got... Well, he's got the booze in the left hand, a cigarette right hand. Like, These damn wires are going to kill us. Oh, that's like totally my forget dad. It. Oh, my God. I remember one time I was like, Dad, you need to drink water. And he's like, I don't drink tap water. I'm like, we well, can get bottled water. He goes, it's too expensive. I said, well, then just drink tap water. He goes, it'll give you cancer as he's smoking a cigarette. Oh, yeah, give me cancer. I only wanted one thing giving me cancer. I want to know the cause. I don't want to go in there and confuse these. Doctors could be water. Could if be I'm going to get cancer, I'm giving could it to myself. Yeah. Oh, could God. be anything. Jeff Allen in the studio with us, ladies and gentlemen. He is at Acme tonight, an eight o'clock show. As a matter of fact, that's a late show for me, man. I'm normally in my pajamas by eight. By eight. Yeah. What are you doing? It is. Oh. Yes, it's all it the is. cigarette smoke. Yeah. It's yeah. All, just talking Let's about talk cigarette about smoke. I gotta get some air. Oh God! When I was a kid, <laughs> honest to God, because everybody in my family smoked, oh. and you'd go in to watch television, oh. and honest to God, it'd be like blue cloud, <laughs> the Viking score. The eyes just watered, yeah. burning I like a. I used to sit man. next to a, like you said, a cracked open window when we oh, go yeah. over there. Oh, and yeah. we'd just like use <laughs> <laughs> a little air. And I'll tell you a story about Ashley, my daughter. With both pregnancies, she loved cigarette smoke. In fact, really? with, with B Fox, she she would she would find somebody. She would notice somebody smoking. She'd cross the street and follow them. It was she. Their <laughs> really? craving was really? the fragrance of cigarette smoke. She did it with. Uh, Why did she a, just oh. hang around the buses? That exhaust. Is that the same fragrance? You know oh, that. That's yeah. true. That's true. Diesel fuel. <laughs> <laughs> God, 21. I was 21 when I quit smoking, so that's a few years ago now. Man. And you never started it up again. I never started smoking again. I smoked from the time I was 11 to 21. Yeah, most people. Started drinking and smoking at 11 years old. What made you quit? Like, what was the catalyst? Um, I think because I was, I, I 
well, December 10th, 1970, I stopped sleeping. And I'll never forget the night. And I just realized that if I kept smoking, you know, with all the nicotine and all that, I'd never get to sleep. So I quit smoking, but it didn't work. I still couldn't sleep. Wow. But I didn't, I just, I didn't ever start smoking again anyway. Just the way it was, man. It's what happens when your dad is nuts. You yeah. kind of go, ooh, am I going to, is that going to be me in a couple of years, or what do we got cooking? Because yeah, usually yeah. people yeah. quit smoking. Oh, my God, they're so judged. They're horrible to other oh, smokers. Oh, yeah, they are, absolutely. It's like, I can't believe you're still smoking. It's like you smoke for 40 years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now today, Calm down. Now today you hate it. It, it. it sort of ends up to be a little 12-step psychobabble. Yeah. You start getting out one way or the other. So Yeah, yeah I suppose. Yeah, I was in a 12-step program, and um, you know, I wouldn't be here if I, if I didn't go. Yeah, yeah. But uh, there was a point where they, uh, they told me I could and work my job because you can't be around booze. And I said, oh, yeah. I didn't come here for career advice. I actually came <laughs> exactly. here to learn how to live in a world yeah. that has alcohol in it and not yeah. use it. You know, yeah. that's and, a great. Uh, if you can't help me, I can stop coming to these meetings. Right. You know, that's it's save a, an hour a day. The bit of evangelism that comes out of some of those, some of those programs, some, some of the militancy of that. I mean, that's what that is. That it comes out. I know I can fix. I'm going to fix all your problems by what I've gone right. through. And that's why you know, basically, it's you know, take what you need and leave the rest. And that's yeah. kind of the way I looked at the way yeah. I go through life. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, there's good. Some people have you know, good advice, and some people well, don't. So. Some people can't be around. Any sort of alcohol? No, they I know just that. Can't. You know, yeah. not at all. I mean, and it's no, funny because I got when I I got lifted right away when I was at work. I never had a problem with it. It's when I'd go out with the guys after the work and yeah. the clubs, yep. and I was go. I would, I'd have to white knuckle my way through it. And I somebody told me, they go, well, if you're working, you're making a living for your family. At least you have a reason to be there. Right. What are you in the bar for afterwards? And I go, you know, you're right. And yeah. So I yeah. tell guys, you know, we go hang out at the restaurant. You know, go to Denny's or something. Oh, know? I lost friends yeah. over it. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. The fact that I wouldn't drink with them anymore, they wouldn't they wouldn't hang out with me anymore. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I stopped that. watching football. What did you? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I didn't realize that it was more of a social event for me. I, it was yeah. a reason to well, be in the yeah. bar at noon on a Sunday. Uh, oh, <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, I, I, I plus, I'm a Bears it. fan, so they never win anyway. Yeah. So it was, you know. Trubisky's having a bad year. <laughs> Bless you. No, I was, hey, I survived somebody. Abe Gibran, Jack and Cannon, Bobby you Douglas. You know, I you tell know. you what though, and Walter the, Payton. Oh well, the McCaskies did the, the, the dismantled the '85 team. Yeah, that, that was yeah. a dynasty. That they had like oh like my God, nine or eleven All Pros, and nice. within two years they were all gone. And I, I said, you know, I love that uh, McMahon was asked when he died what he wanted on his headstone. Did you ever hear about no. it? They asked McMahon what he wants on his headstone when he died. He said, oh, that's easy. I've always known this. What are you going to put on? He goes, the hell are you looking at? <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun team. You know, back in the, that day, Oprah was a local talk show. Host. Right. Yeah. People don't remember that. She was a Well, here's what you don't really know. Fridge was called Fridge because he was over 300 pounds. Right. He was like one of two guys in the NFL that were over 300. And I now know. the high school team, the all the all state high school team in Tennessee, defensive line out of six guys, four of them were over 300 pounds Jeez. in high school going we, into college. We have an offensive lineman at oh. University of Minnesota right now. He's six eleven and weighs four hundred pounds. Oh my goodness! And he's not fat. <laughs> wow! No, I mean this guy's like 
How can you not be fat if you're over 400 pounds? Because he's been a creatine since he was five. (laughs) Well, there you go. Guy's got some muscle structure. There's no doubt about that. 400 pounds. 6'11", 400 pounds. He's an offensive lineman. How'd you like to try to get past him? He probably runs a 4'4". I wouldn't doubt that either. (laughs) Freight train hit. That's the other thing, man. Have you ever been on the sidelines for an NFL game? Yeah. It's It's terrifying. They are gigantic. When they come running right at you, you're like little pee right there in the front of your (laughs) pants. It's like, Jesus. Well, what gets me is that you can't lay in bed. On, on, and if you play football on a Sunday, look outside and see it's 20 below zero and yeah. think, well, gee, maybe I won't get hit today. I mean, you can't convince yourself. I mean, you you got to have some kind of screw loose to play that game. I, I would mean, think you really so, do. Yeah. Everybody gets crippled. They love They it, all do. But they love it. Yeah, I mean, you look ahead you, at your peers at 40. You know, they're all going, uh, you know, if they're not on opiates, they're, they're going to be, you yeah, know, and they absolutely. can't walk straight. I remember, uh, I don't know if it was Butkus, Dick Butkus said, that after a game on Sunday, it took him to Wednesday to where he could walk where he wanted to walk. His legs yeah. just kind of took him for two days, you know, <laughs> wherever they, they, wherever they went, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Dick, I remember I ran into over at, uh, God, what the hell is the name? doesn't matter, restaurant. But he was sitting at the next table, and he got up, and he could barely walk to the men's room. I mean, yeah. he had a real hard time getting to the men's room. Yeah. It's sad. Is it, it, you're right. Is it the clothes head injuries when they're playing when they're younger that make them uh, – uh, screw loose, give them the screw loose to play when they're older? I don't know. I, I Again, my son loved football, but he, you know, after high school he quit. You know, he didn't, yeah. he didn't want to play college. You know, he wanted to go into the military. You just look at some of those tackles and you wonder how they can get up ever. Oh, I know. I mean, oh, they yeah. hit hard. They're getting hit really hard by gigantic people. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Uh, so, Jeff, why do you think you – did you ever work blue ever in, in your career? I was foul-mouthed. I grew yeah. up South Side Chicago, well, and blue collar, yeah. and, and and it was really what happened was, my son was in fourth grade and he cussed at his teacher, pretty oh, nasty stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we had just started making some changes in our lives and stuff. And anyway, I went in there and the teacher couldn't even repeat what he said. <laughs> so I looked at her and I said, "Look, I'd love to be able to look you in the eye and tell you I have no idea where that child heard <laughs> that kind of language, but." But it was me. But it was. So anyway, <laughs> I just kind of make a, made a conscious effort to see if I could clean up um, hmm. around the house, and see then I figured, I wonder if I could do it in the yeah. We the had a show, yeah. you know. And I'm a storyteller. Yeah. And realized that it really made me a better storyteller when you actually have to get a thesaurus out. But the material itself, the content was never really dirty. I mean, it's it, but it was just, just some you know, instead of idiots, they were effing idiots and things like right, that. Right, you know? right, um, so right. So that was that part was easy to clean up. And there are stuff I write now that I go, boy, I would really like to do that, but it doesn't fit you yeah. know, into those parameters. But you, know, I to me, I don't know, maybe I'm a little biased, but I think the 1970s was the best comedy that we've ever produced. Because coming out of the deny. 60s with all of those boundaries and those parameters, they were able to bust through those. You know, I always said the edge, though, when you always heard a comic was edgy, it was because there was a line of mores in society, mm-hmm. and the comics knew where the line was, and they'd cross it. You know, they'd push right. it. They'd push the line. Well, there's just no line anymore. Well, there is now with the PC and the... Oh, yeah. But it's like, it's, it's, I don't even know. I, you don't even know what the rules are. I mean, you really don't. Uh, I, I would. Depends I would, on who's know. in the audience. And I'm 63 years old. I don't care. I really right. don't. I, half right. my show, I'm telling people, don't email me, please. Don't send me an email. <laughs> I don't want to hear from. You know, I talk about the peanut allergies. I go, where do these come from? Terrorists don't need to blow up buildings. They just need to take over a planter's factory and crack yeah. Atlanta. <laughs> they, they'd wipe out a third of the millennial population. I mean, and I'm asking, and somebody came up and explained it to me. I don't know if this is true or not. 
But I guess because of the big peanut scare in the 90s, they weren't giving babies peanut butter and peanuts. Oh, right. And that was what was creating, that was like a vaccination for peanuts. I can see that. I didn't know that. I go, if that's the case, what, you know. Yeah. Who doesn't give a kid peanut butter? It, well, for they, anything, it shuts them up for a minute. You know, yeah. while they, <laughs> well, trying to chew it. Trying to uh, can't talk. Well, no, yeah, they, they tell you now not to give your child peanut butter and I believe honey until they're two. Honey? After two years old. Well, yeah. I, honey, honey, you, they can get botulism and die. Yeah. yeah. What? So that's, 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 that's a real a thing. My mother was and trying to kill me. Until, right? it's until, it's until peanut butter and honey. I ate a bit of honey. I don't even have teeth. Little Tommy is just running around sucking on the little honey bear. The honey that you were eating probably wasn't. I think it was a little highly processed yeah. honey. You're I was probably eating fine. The little honey. Well, I tell you what. My mother yeah. used to give me mercury to play with on the kitchen oh, yeah. table. Oh, yeah, we had that too. Yeah. Puddle yeah. of toxic waste and a lead paint chip. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Those were the days. And then I'd put on my asbestos pajamas and I'd go to bed. <laughs> so, I do remember that rolling around mercury in my hand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Little babies. Little babies. Yeah, yeah. Little I remember saying, yeah. Mom, can we break this thermometer so we can play with Mercury? <laughs> sure! <laughs> sure, absolutely. <laughs> what could it hurt? Good to go. Yeah, what could it hurt? Where's my cigarettes? <laughs> what was a toy that they had where you'd plug it in and it was like a fire... You would plug it in, and it like you could start like sparks or something, and like fire. Oh my god! You know what yeah, I'm talking about? yeah, I do. No. My brothers dangerous. had one of those. Yeah, it sounds. Well, yeah. they used to have like soldering <laughs> irons for toys. <laughs> Remember that? Oh, yeah. The wood burning. Yeah, yeah. Wood burning. Like Seven hundred and eighty yeah. degrees. We had one of those <laughs> too. When, we first, when I first got married, I just laid in bed. That's all I did. I'm literally laying in bed. Tammy brings yeah. me in a wood burning kit. She says, "You might as well have a hobby." That was her idea of a joke. <laughs> a little worship into some storm bubble. I burned a "Do Not Disturb" sign. Get out! Get out! But yeah, she buys me this. I don't think you can buy them anymore. But they would hit like uh, 700 degrees, you and four-year-olds are burning wood. <laughs> and it's like, breathing the smoke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they should. They should have just put. Uh, they should have made the made the uh, compressed the wood just with a little marijuana, and those kids would have been quiet. Hey. Quiet. Oh, be. right. hey, you might have a business model right there. There you go. <laughs> Colorado. <laughs> Coming to Colorado. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's not legal here. Tool. In Minnesota? Well, no, it is I'm for on, medical. I'm on medical. Medical it is, ah, but not yeah. recreational. Medical. You don't get high on it. See, people think you get high on, on medical THC, but you don't. Well, you I can do. if you take oh, too you? much. What's supposed if you take too much? Well, yeah, no, I don't vape, va- though. Yeah, vape, I can't vape. Yeah, you can get extremely high off of okay, vape. Yeah. I've done yeah, I it a suppose, couple yeah. times Well, I can tell you, my, my manager, <laughs> who said he hadn't had pot in over 20 years, he was at a Predators game, and, and one of his friends had an edible, and he peeled off a corner. Uh-huh. So when he gets sit, he's on his way to the car, he eats the edible, and he goes, by the time I got to my car, it took me 45 minutes to get away from the curb. <laughs> <laughs> he said, he goes, food. it's not the pot we had 20 years no. ago. No. Oh, no, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, that's, and that, for a friend of mine's Very wife true. was having chemotherapy, and I said, you know, well, she, she's kind of easy, her appetite's going to be depressing. I said, why don't you get a little of marijuana, and you can t- take a couple of tokes, and it'll ease her through this whole process. Yeah. He says, that makes sense. So he goes, he gets some marijuana. He's, he's driving home. He says, well, maybe I'll just try some of this. So he rolls a little uh, joint, takes a couple of tokes. 
has to pull. He, he has to pull off the road, stop the car, oh, and great. sit there for an hour because he, <laughs> right. he was so powerful. He wasn't used to when he was right. thirty years ago uh-huh. when he was. was yeah, it's much, it ain't much your daddy's different. pot. No, no it's no. not. No. Well, I was talking. Oh wait, we need to. We'll take a break. Be right back in two minutes. Uh, final segment with Jeff Allen. He is at Acme tonight at eight o'clock. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. What's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there, in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether or not you decide you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy (laughs) if i'm hanging out with you Uh, maybe (laughs) (laughs) okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant walls automotive group walls.com and doug sprinthal Nissan news. This is exciting, and I'm glad Andy's here. We just got our first shipments at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan of the all-new 2021 Nissan Rogue. Dude, you need to trade. This is a brand-new vehicle. It's got bird's-eye parking, so when you're backing up, you hit the screen, and it's like a spy satellite above oh. the vehicle, It is, and it's got ProPilot. It is cool. Trade your car in. Well, Melissa said she did like this one better than the last one, so maybe she'll like the next one better than this one. All right. Be like Andy and Melissa and check out the Nissan Rogue. It's been a dream of mine to be like Andy ever since he was born. (laughs) So, yeah, check out these vehicles at Walzer Nissan in Burnsville and in Coon Rapids, House of J-Lo and the House of Dan Resch. Tell them Andy sent you. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. We're back. We're back in the saddle again. One more segment with Jeff Allen, ladies and gentlemen, tonight at Acme, 8 o'clock show. Is it a, it's got to be a tough road to hold a fly in for one show, isn't it? I don't know. What do you like it I'm better? I'm too that dumb way? to know any better. He's <laughs> <laughs> just been doing it for so long. Yeah. As matter of fact, if I'm home too long, my wife will go, when are you leaving? <laughs> what do you, don't you have another show to do? Yeah, exactly. Let me call your manager. You talk about a great place to fly out of around the country, though. Nashville couldn't be more centrally located, basically. Chicago yeah, it's and bordered Nashville. by seven states. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's I mean, right. it's wonderful. Oh, it's everywhere. That's a beautiful area, too. You go back toward Chattanooga. and yeah. pretty. That, the whole, that whole drive. We drive up uh, quite often from West Palm. We drive up to Minneapolis, and it's a hell of a nice place. How are the summers? Hot and humid. Like and really here. humid. I mean, it's funny. We were living in Arizona, and Tammy, I mean, my wife hated Arizona. That first summer, I came home from the golf course. No lie, she's in the driveway in a monsoon rain. She's, it's monsoon. You couldn't see six feet in front of you. The rain was coming down sideways. And my wife was out there in the driveway. And I, I, what the hell are you doing? She says, it actually rains in this godforsaken place. <laughs> and that was our first summer. So, yeah. But I told her when we moved to Tennessee, I don't know if you've been to Tennessee in June. It's, uh, it's 98 and 98. And 98 and oh. 98, yeah. baby. And, um, but uh, we have fall and we have winter and uh, spring. But so. not much of a winter. 
No, it's uh, it gets not like Chicago. No, not at all, not at all. And we get fronts that come through. It'll be in the sixties. Um, really, in the winter? Yeah, in the winter. Yeah, I play golf year round there. I mean, I really. Yeah, I mean, we no get if we, if we only have one plow. It, we get it from Kentucky. <laughs> we get it from Kentucky. Uh, but it, when it snows, it locks the city up. And then there's one other thing that t- Tennesseans do. Now I don't know about Minnesota. But when the light turns green and you're making a left turn, you pull into the intersection yeah. and wait. Yeah. Tennessee, they don't. They sit at the light. So then if it just turns red, you're all sitting there like an idiot. They gets, do? I know. I, I want to hit them. I want to just. <laughs> I mean, just go around them. Right yeah. Just, yeah. What uh, the hell is that? Why yeah. would they do that? I guess it's taught in uh, driver's ed or I something. I guess. Well, yeah. their laws may say you're not. Oh, California, you're not allowed to block an intersection. So that can be interpreted as blocking an intersection. That may be the largest. Oh, I wish they'd start doing that down in Florida. They'll block an intersection for five lights. Who cares? We're just going to sit here and smoke cigarettes and drink in the car. I'm a block away. I'll be home in an hour. (laughs) Honest to God. They don't don't care. And if you honk at them, they're all like, what's wrong with you? Like, what? You're blocking the intersection. They don't care at all. They're retired. They are. Most of them are retired. Nothing very, very true. But one thing, how tall are you? Six two. Yeah, see, in in Florida, you'd be a giant. That's one because I'm six feet even, and I tower over everyone because it's a bunch of little Italians and Jews from New York. <laughs> oh, so they're all very yeah. small people. Yeah, and it's they shrink hilarious. as time goes on. You know, I found out. I just read this that your ears and your nose continue to grow. Yes, well, that's yeah. great. So news. if you live long enough, you become uh, a caricature of yourself. <laughs> and, your, and your nose yes, can you grow. Do. And your nose can grow, and you're pregnant, which for sure happened to me. Really? really? Yep. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Really? Why would that happen? It's a thing. I should know that. But here's the good news. Really I was getting a, uh, a pedicure because nice. I had nothing to do. <laughs> nothing to do to get a pedicure. <laughs> so okay. I went into this thing, right. and I, I'm sitting there, and the Korean woman told me, we were chatting, and I, uh, she said, you have big ears. Thank you. And I said, yeah. I said, well, <laughs> she goes, no, in Korea, that's a sign of good luck. You would never get out of Korea if you went down there. <laughs> really? She said the women would just take you and, and go. Yeah, really? Because of the big ears. Big ears. Sign of good luck. Well, your ears aren't too big for your head, though. I'm looking at your ears right now. They're I fun. don't know, man. I don't really care at my age. It's like I was telling with the, I got. I do a whole thing about waxing. Uh, my wife talked me into getting waxed. and uh, Oh, pedicures and she waxing? Told me, she told okay. me it would be sexy. And I said, look, uh, there's only three, there's three billion women on a planet, and I only care if one of them thinks I'm sexy. Yeah. So at my age, if my wife thinks anything I could do, that she thinks would be <laughs> get her motor going a little quicker, mm-hmm. her engine running. I don't care. She said, you know, a face tattoo would be sexy. You know, yeah, I'm getting a face tattoo. So I went in, and uh, anyway, it's a long story, but I, I will never do it again. I will never, ever, ever do that again. So what do you get waxed? I don't even my, my chest hair. She oh, got, the chest hair. And it's, oh. the weird thing was, I was I just was, your chest hair. But I was thank pink. God. But I was pink. I looked like a flabby piece of bazooka bubble gum. <laughs> And then when, when I got home, I, 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 I surprised her. She was traveling, so I surprised her, and I took the shirt off. And anyway, it took her a while to notice. She goes, what did you do? And anyway, she looks at me. She goes, my God, Jeff, you look like Patrick from SpongeBob. <laughs> I go, that's not sexy, baby. Patrick isn't sexy. And she finally no. said, put a shirt on. It's creepy. You know? <laughs> 
gravity affects all of us. My boobs were sagging. My nipples were pointing at the ground. It, just, it, it, it was not attractive. It was not, not, not sexy? No, not at all. You didn't so see you it. see the pictures in the right. magazines of all these guys yeah. with the wax, and, it, and, and I guess it looks And the good. baby oil. And the baby and oil. And the baby yeah. oil. Got to have, have, have the baby oil. Spray too. tan, yeah. baby yeah. oil, wax. Yeah. yeah. You are a very, you don't have much body hair. No, I have very little like body hair. And like Dan, my husband has like four chest hairs. <laughs> oh, wow. Mine are, like, I have four and they're all four different colors. That's the main thing about it. Yeah. is red, a brown, a black, and a gray. I know. I, like, well, well, I'm like, I, don't, I don't have the back hair or anything. No, no, no. I got none of that. My oldest boy does and his wife loves it. <clears throat> One of the things, she's a hippie. Oh. I mean, she just, oh, she yeah. loves oh, I remember. Guys. I remember as a teenager, uh, all well, those guys. A Magnum PI yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom, Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck yeah. had all the yeah. hair hanging right. out. Everything yeah. was gold chains and hairy. And that, yeah. was, that was very sexy. Now, now women run screaming from that. Well, you're yeah. from yeah. Florida. I had a palmetto bug fly into my chest hair one day. <laughs> <laughs> <And laughs> first time I remember. Yes. I, I, literally, I was in bed with, yes. a, with another. This was years ago. Oh, and God. I'm freaking out. I'm on the ground flopping around and beating it with a shoe. I have no idea. It was tangled up. It was People like, around. that guy's crazy. So anyway, the girl says, well, you know, like, what was it? I go, I don't know. It just matched. She goes, maybe it was a pie. I said, I, you know, it's it, it smashed. Whatever it is, it's it's mutilated. I no, killed it. Yeah. Flying rat. I don't know yeah. what it was. Could have been a rat. They look like a cockroach, a gigantic it was, yeah, cockroach. It was, it it's their they're fierce. Out. It's just watching yeah. TV and mm-hmm. bing, you know. I don't think they actually bite you or well, anything. They're just gross. Well, that's yeah. like gross. the fear of, you know, we have a, fly, a bat flying around. We'll get yeah. caught in your head hair. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't realize, fear, I didn't realize yeah. the yeah, same thing. You know, so you, you should be waxed. Right. So you know, it's yeah. happening. You, you, waxed. Waxed. Oh, you shave your head. Yeah. You should oh, be waxed wow. if the palmetto yeah. bug's going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that could God. be an ad for someone to run for their for their for their clinic. Yeah. Don't let it, this happen to you. <laughs> or an exterminator. Jeff Allen yeah. with a bug in his chest hair. Look what happened to me. Yeah, yeah. That, that would not be good. It's absolutely true. I don't know. It it all works out in the end. That's all I'm saying. But yeah. I, I, you know, honest to God, I, I, I just keep thinking sitting here. I cannot believe that I've never met you before. That's weird. Oh, well, well I mean, you've been you're not alone. Room. There's 330 million people in this country, I think. You know. Yeah, but I mean, I, we've had comedians on for 34 years. Well, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. now I'm upset. <laughs> no, I thought I was your first. <laughs> yes, the very first comedian ever. Yeah. Is, uh, well, we had, we had him on, on the, over the phone back in the, on the spring phone, yeah. because I saw your dry bar oh, comedy okay. thing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Tom would love him. And I had to right. get him on. And I, I love that. Have you watched any of uh-huh. those dry bar comedies? Mm-hmm. Those are so good. And it's a, such a great way to um, kind of uh, promote. Well, it's changed your... my life. Yeah. It, re- it really has. And I, when I got booked on it, um, I, I didn't never heard of them. Mm-hmm. I got booked in October a year ago and uh, for a January taping. Tammy went nuts, my wife. She goes, mm-hmm. it's in my feet every day. It's in mm-hmm. my feet. And, and um, when they released it, literally within two weeks, uh, the phone hasn't stopped. Yeah. It has not stopped. We're really? up over 100 some million views now. And, That's and, wonderful. And Facebook, I don't know what YouTube is, but it's the internet. It, again, you and I are the same generation. We, mm-hmm. uh, I always thought if you didn't get on network, you know, your career right. is over. And, not and I kind of missed all that, you know, not and anymore. I was out working the club. No, it's, it, you look at the computer is the same as we used to look at TV. If mm-hmm. you see something on the computer, that's just as valid. Um, Oh yeah. yeah, it's 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 a strange animal to me, and I finally hired a twenty-eight-year-old social media person. Cause, <laughs> you know, I, I had no idea what I was doing. 
And, yeah, uh, I could see that. I mean, I think the top rated show now is, I think Fallon pulls about 1.7 million people. That's all. Johnny Carson. Yeah, but it's after. See, that's what's interesting because uh, we were pushing to go on Fallon. And um, again, I was told, well, it's only 1.7 million. Right. But if you get re- if they release what you did and it hits the internet, mm. oh yeah, it's different. My wife watches yeah. all of Fallon on on the uh, the next day. Oh, okay. On on she, we never stay up late enough to watch it live. Yeah. So whatever they release, she'll watch it because they feel it good enough to to be out. So then you're right. getting 30, 40 million views or fifty million views. Yeah, you, you know, are it, absolutely. It's unlimited um, when people Isn't start amazing? sharing it. And it I, really is. And um, broadcast television is getting getting hammered in the ratings now. It's not good at all. Yeah. It's just come apart at the scene. And, the, and the, one of the biggest problems you have is because Hollywood is so political now with all their Absolutely. writing that when the show comes on, you go, well, there's a white guy. He did it. <laughs> all the criminals now are white guys. Well, like, that's why you know, we're, we're, we're believers, Christians. And yeah, um, yeah. We, I, I get tired of just it's, – it's a guarantee if there's a Christian on a show – He's molesting somebody. Well, there's you know, no and, doubt. And again, it happens. It happens. It does. And that's happen. what I said to, to my wife. I said, you'll know, again, we're working in the territory here, but when the LBGTQ, I remember years ago, uh, there was a Sharon Stone film. What was that film that um, she she crossed her legs? Oh, yeah. Oh, basic Instinct. Basic oh, Instinct. Basic well, yeah. she was a, a lesbian, and the community mm. went absolutely nuts because she was a, a killer murderer. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. and then I because she was a psychopath, and I went on stage in the '90s and said, "Did anybody poll the psychopath community see if they wanted to be portrayed as a lesbian?" <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny. Well, funny. if I did that today, well, I just yeah, did it right. today. You know, who knows? You know? But if you did that's that today, funny. you would be like, you'd be chastised. And why? It's to, funny. I know that's you know. It's just too bad. It, the, the whole thing is everybody's offended by everything now. Everybody well, if your lips are moving and the words are coming out, chances are you're going to offend somebody. But, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. But it comes to the point where you just—I—I I, I don't know. I don't—I don't get bothered by it. I run things by my wife. I, I have a line. I'll, I'll run it by you guys. I, I have a line where I, I found out they won't grade English papers in public school with red ink because apparently the sight of red ink on paper is too traumatic, and my English papers came back looking like OJ's driveway. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, I've been getting a lot of oh, I've been getting a lot of ooze on that. So <laughs> I changed it to a, a crime scene. I said my page became looking like a crime scene, and it's funny because I, I don't know I, if I go corporate, it's it's crime scene. If I go tonight, it'll be um, uh, OJ's uh, driveway. driveway, and and I'm aware. I mean, yeah. my goal is not to offend or no. bother people, but ooze is not what I want. I don't want ooze. I don't want ooze. No, know? no, right. Because the answer is what? Too soon? It's too soon to be okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Twenty years, yeah. Yeah. twenty-five years, yeah. yeah. I believe that comedy is the last bastion of free speech. It I should agree. stay that way, I absolutely. and you should be able to say whatever you want. And well, yep. it's funny to me because yep. starting in the eighties, seventies, and eighties, we all did uh, uh, ethnic humor. We all did growing yeah, up in the South Side. Did, yeah. And I, I watched Chappelle's special because everybody told yeah, me how fair. hip and it was. And I looked at it and I said, back in the eighties, this would have been just some benign. It would have been yeah, normal. Yep. Yeah. Normal. Yeah. Yep. Uh, observational stuff and yeah. now it's just considered so edgy and hip and over the top and because of the uh, reaction from yeah. the uh, twitter mob mm-hmm. uh, and it is a mob i mean well, that's, they, yeah. oh it is that's absolutely. why you have, you have to be careful because oh, you know, they can ruin your career well it's funny they can just ruin it because they don't like the a last joke. time i posted anything I, I get in my feed somebody posts 
uh, the NRA is responsible for Sandy Hook. So all I wrote was, all, right. all I wrote was, you have to connect those dots for me. As a lifetime member, I don't want to belong to an organization that would be responsible. That's all you asked him is connect oh, the dots? just connect the dots. Well, for okay. two weeks, I get inundated with, you know, all these ad hominem attacks. You know, you're a douchebag, you're all these names and things, which really doesn't, I waited two weeks. And I wrote back, still waiting for those dots. <laughs> <laughs> and literally within 30 seconds, my manager sends me a text. Stop it. Stop it. Stop yeah. it. Corporations right now. read these things. And I just like poking the nest. Exactly. But I could not believe the response. I mean, and, and I was being legit. I said, connect them for me. I, yeah. I, you an idiot. You're a moron. You, don't you have Google? Well, if it's on Google, it's got to be true. You know? I find comfort by assuming that everyone on Twitter is 14 years old. Yeah, pretty much. And I'm probably not that far off. Well, well, it is a lot like a playground. It yeah. really is. Oh, it's, it's that, a lot it's like that a playground. playground mentality. You expect kids to act like that because kids are dumb. So it's like, you know, if it's adults acting like that, then that's when it gets into like, you know. Well, emotionally, a lot of adults are 14 years old. I just love exactly. Why do you think it is that people will go out of their way now and it doesn't bother them to destroy someone's life? That amazes me. <clears throat> that's the, I, I again, I. Power. Um, as, as a. As a Christian, I, I think we've lost a lot of the foundational, and a lot of it is uh, grace and forgiveness. I yeah, really do believe it. that. There's I not mean, a lot of grace, not yeah. a lot, no, not, a, not, not a lot of empathy where you go, you know what, I could have, you know, again, to destroy somebody's life because of a comment. Because of a comment. I mean, it's. That makes no sense. Yeah. It's out yeah. Of, and I think it's getting pushed back. I really do. I, again, I, I think so. millennials, and, and I really have a. I have a heart for millennials. I really do. Good. Whatever nation they decide we're going to be, is what my grandchildren are going to grow up in. Mm -hmm. They're the largest voting block outside uh, since the baby boomers. And they you know, are, we yeah. just, I always tell millennials, sorry about the $22 trillion in debt. <laughs> we had issues. We had, we had, well, we didn't have issues. We, politicians had well, issues. Well, they had some. That's who had the issues is the politicians. But uh, I just, uh, I, 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 again, I'm, I've been out of the, fr I don't, I don't get involved in it. I don't go on Twitter. I, I Right. You know, I tweet pictures of my grandbabies and and on Facebook. I just stay out of it. I don't. I don't. You know. I have like everybody else. I have opinions, but I don't. Yep. Nobody cares. I have a hundred plus thousand Facebook followers, and not one of them ever asked me my opinion on anything. That should tell <laughs> me all I plan. need to know. Yes, yeah. it's true. Thanks so much for coming in, Jeff. It was great to Thanks meet you. Having great having me. you in, Jeff Allen, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> 